this question as to what's the point of having an independent body to regulate and screen your actions if you diverge from their judgments whenever they don't suit you. I don't see there being a future for the Code of Conduct panel if the recommendation is not followed. Welcome to the Bailiwick Express podcast. My name is Matthew Leach. I'll be joined each week by the editor of The Express, Aaron Carpenter, for a series of podcasts. Each will shine a light on topics from across the bailiwick. The format will change week to week. We'll have debates, reviews, hot seat interviews and plenty of guests. So stick with us as we offer some insight on the most important issues we in the bailiwick face. Internet trolling. It's not what you expect from a deputy when you vote them in, but unfortunately, this kind of behaviour has been making the headlines recently. Deputy Christopher Letizia was caught out using the Twitter handle at RadioSuch299 to anonymously criticise his colleagues, sometimes while sitting in the state's chamber himself. His actions have forced him to self-refer to a code of conduct panel, and he now faces the boot from the states. The story was initially broken following an investigation spearheaded by the editor of the Bailiwick Express, Aaron Carpenter. I spoke to him about the role of social media in this day and age, the investigation that could lead to a sitting deputy removed from his role, and why it's so important to hold our elected officials to a high standard. I thought it would be better to start potentially at the beginning of this whole saga and ask you when you first started to hear rumours or ideas that there were deputies or a deputy with aliases on, on Twitter. It was first brought to my attention late February. Uh, before that, uh, as I understand it, there were um, rumours, there was speculation on social media that this, this, this account, which did not flag up, who it belonged to, um, Radio Such 299, known at the time as The Pirate, um, was actually Deputy Letizia. Um So having received those claims and had that put to me, um, I'd started investigating it. I found out that um, the links that had been made did appear to have substance. So the first logical step was to put them to Deputy Letizia. Um So we had a a fairly brief kind of 90 second chat on the phone um, the replies were generally in the vein of no comment um, and then having not really received much information from him confirmation or denial um, since he didn't think it was um, something he wanted to comment on um, questions were put to the Guernsey party of course he was a, a full member at the time he's since been suspended um, and they also um, denied any knowledge of his social media activity, um, which at the time that I was alleging. Um, so I looked into it further. There were links, clear links between that Twitter handle or that Twitter account and a YouTube page in which he was positively identified. Um, trawling back through some of the older videos, um, there were also shared content. Um, a, a visit to a Canadian flight hangar, for example, in Canada um, some years ago, um, which also formed part of a previous cover picture for his Twitter page. So there were various things that kind of looked into um, images that were kind of cross-matched from one account to the other. 
and given that uh, he was positively identified in the YouTube account and he's obviously never denied that the YouTube account was his um, obviously the links appeared stronger and we documented that given that we had substantial I think reason to do so um, after the publication of that detail he came out with an admission that the account did belong to him and the the rest as I say is is his his history it's perhaps surprised me somewhat in what direction it has gone but uh, it's been fascinating in a way to think is this part of a bigger issue yeah absolutely i mean well my question i guess from that to, to you investigating this as you have been which i'm sure was very interesting to you um you must have needed to be 100 percent when you first dropped the first story when did that moment come when you knew i'm right or this is correct at that point, you know, he was still denying it, and um, there was a second story lined up, already written, essentially, before the first one actually went live. So it was there, and I knew that the the links were proven. It was then just a case of opening with what we had, and then following it up with the detail that, I guess, if you like, I was sitting on. Um, because with anything like this, there you don't want to leave it to a leap of faith. You know, this is someone's reputation at stake. And you don't want to make unproven claims. You don't want to make false claims. And as a news outlet, it would be irresponsible to even entertain that thought. There's a little bit of speculation at the moment about other accounts. I think it would be unwise for any media organisation to jump to conclusions about anyone else based on hearsay or comments along the lines of, well, I think they did it too. Um, it's a rigorous process. It's not an overnight investigation. Unless you have proof or an admission, it's difficult to approach it. And so what do you make of the fallout now? You mentioned it's an interesting, leaves everything in an interesting place. I mean, do you think it was, how important do you think it was to scrutinise a politician in the way that has been done in this case? I think there's a bigger issue in our society at the moment, and we encounter it on, probably in the front end of news, about social media and some of the interaction that you see, because I think there's an ongoing conversation in many areas. One of them is about how it can be used to troll other people and essentially undermine accountability. And accountability is essential to our whole system of representation in the States. We need to be able to hold our political leaders to account. We need to be able to hold the States of Guernsey as an organisation to account. And anything that denigrates that needs to be challenged. And it cannot be put in too hard to do pile, which I think perhaps has been done in the past. The other issue about... Um, a wider problem we, we see it in other things as well we, we know that court reporting especially with live cases it is something that is becoming increasingly problematic globally because people are prejudiced in cases by commenting on social media so there are editorial decisions that you have to make um, from a news perspective about not wanting to inform people but having to manage how you do it because you know that potential is there and it's not just potential anymore, it is happening. And we've seen some very high profile cases around the world that have been scuppered because they have been prejudiced. 
So the whole subject of trolling, the whole subject of social media comments is very much in the spotlight and it's a conversation that we need to be open and frank about. So I think that's probably why the idea of, of someone not being open and frank about the comments that they're making, about criticising Guernsey's politicians while himself a politician and pretending not to be in particular is... Um, I think it has been received so badly and why it's so concerning. Do you think it shows a certain level of ignorance of the platform that he was on? Do you think he understood what kind of uh, ramifications could be left from, from his actions? The Code of Conduct panel who presided over this case judged it to be foolish and naive. Now, without getting an answer from him, an honest answer either way, I wouldn't want to speculate on whether he knew what he was doing or whether he didn't. The outcome is the same, unfortunately. Um, and it's the outcome that I think the, the panel focuses on when it recommends um, such a strong, strong response to his actions. I was going to ask you about that strong response, and I think that's worth discussing because, I mean, what will happen to him now? Where, where are we at with Deputy Letizia or potentially not? Deputy Letizia. Yeah, so the the situation is unprecedented and there are a lot of there's a lot of comment at the moment about whether or not it's justified. Um, if we look at Deputy Letizia's response, um, his response to it was I'm surprised, shocked and disappointed at the severity of the panel's decision. I'm currently consulting with my advocates that what options are available for a challenge. I've also asked for all relevant records under a subject access request to enable me to understand why the panel has handed down such a disproportionate and draconian penalty. Now, of course, that statement was made earlier this week, um, but as far as I'm aware, there have been no further statements. That still stands. The decision is um, one of five open to the panel once they find someone guilty of breaching the Code of Conduct. The least severe of those options is a caution, um, then it goes uh, formal reprimand, suspension from the states, removal from a particular office. So, for example, here's a committee member of Home Affairs. His comments about non-locals, you know, would in many people's eyes justify removal from that committee. Um, and then the most severe is expulsion from the states. As I said, there is no precedent for the nature of his, of his breaches. Um, I can't think of a, a previous example where trolling deputy has come into the the spotlight of the code of conduct so what that means is that there is no i suppose to use kind of legal legal terms of reference there's no case law there's no reference point there's no this was done in 2008 or this was done in 2016 and this is how it was managed at the time so this is very important for a few reasons one of them is that it will set a precedent and if this is the the standards that we hold one member accountable to, then the same has to be applied to everybody else. Anyone else who commits breaches of a similar nature or has committed breaches of a similar nature. Were you surprised or did you expect the decision that they made? I think I think because it is unprecedented, it was hard to predict. There were numerous complaints and um there was a lot of public interest in this case. Whether it's proportionate will be something that the states will obviously have to rule on. 
and they will have the chance to do that. So the states get to vote on this now? Yeah, so it's, um, it, it's not um, actually a binding decision, the, the decision of the panel. Essentially, the, the panel is set up to, as a, a regulator of sorts to scrutinise the actions and the behaviour of states' deputies. But of course, they're not bound to actually follow its recommendations, which is, of course, one of the problematic elements of this. But going back to what happens next, the uh, report will be prepared, it will be presented to the states. Um, as I'm hearing at the moment, that will be at the next meeting, the 28th of April. And then the states will decide whether or not to to kind of confirm that, that direction of travel, whether or not he should be expelled from the states. Um, I'm hearing that an alternative report will be drafted, um, offering the states different options, essentially all of the other um, punishments in descending order. The indication is that he, Deputy Letizia, is challenging the move and uh, yeah, any any deputy who challenges a decision or appeals against a decision w- will then have that decision heard by the state's assembly. Um, and and by the way, there is that right, that provision within the the law. Um, a member has a right to appeal the panel's decision um, on two grounds: um, significant factual inaccuracy, which, if correct, would would or could have led to a different outcome, or procedural errors. So I'm not sure which one he's claiming, but those are the grounds for it. But prior to that, there should be a, um, a determination as to whether his appeal has any grounds. But regardless, you know, this is heading to the States and it's going to be a political decision. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know how anybody sees it, but you can't talk about Deputy Letizia within this story without talking about the Guernsey Party. So what does that leave his position with the Guernsey party and what have we heard from them? And I guess what does it mean for for the party and party politics in general if somebody can can shine this kind of light on their own party? Well, party politics in Guernsey is still um, an emerging emerging beast. Um, We don't really know that much about how it works in practice when it falls into conflict. So, you know, we don't have probably the correct system of government for party politics. It's a consensus form of government which makes it inherently problematic um, for there to be party politics. That being said, you know, it's a very interesting development and, you know, I'm fascinated to see how it how it develops. But there what that means in practice is there can be certain quirks which make this difficult. So for example, the rules committee, the rules of procedure committee, uh, SAC has a Guernsey party member. So what's he going to be doing when his committee is asked to vote on on the, the proposal I'm hearing about for alternative sanctions? Will he abstain? Is, 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 there a, is there a conflict that needs to be declared as a, as a kind of party colleague? Is this the kind of training wheel stage of party politics where these kind of issues get flushed out? I think it is. You know, it's, it's in practice because... There are members of different parties or different political associations, depending on how they decide to brand themselves, that populate almost every committee of the states. So it'd be interesting just to see if um, if all the Guernsey party members stand up in the states debate and just make that absolutely clear to anyone listening from home, genuinely listening from home, not a deputy, um, who 
who won't know just from name recognition that they are a party colleague. Of course, he's suspended at the moment, but that's a very muddy water because it seems a very interesting definition of suspension because... What does he suspend it from doing? That's part of it. Uh, he's suspended from everything. I think they've taken him off of their website, but you know, if you suspend a footballer for, for bad conduct, as a deputy, as a former deputy said on Twitter um, earlier today, he doesn't immediately leave your squad. <laughs> there have been, you know, there are players who've been suspended for COVID breaches. They're still a member of that organisation. It'd be fascinating to see how they vote on this when it goes to the states, or whether there will be a party line. Will all Guernsey party members be advised to abstain from the vote or to vote a certain way? Because so far, the party's own view of this has been unclear and I think it's been reactive rather than proactive. Have they ever released a statement? It just simply they released a statement about him being removed from the party? Yes, and that has been used as justification for not commenting further following the publication of the panel's report earlier this week. Obviously, we do also know that the the report itself apparently was not supposed to be published, which still waiting to see what comes from that development because may it be a procedural error that prejudices the way that the that it's been handled. Um, I'm not sure about that, but um, it's it's an interesting thing to happen. It's an interesting mistake. Um, and, you know, one would hope that a mistake does not have any repercussions on the outcome either way. And what kind of response has there been from other deputies, from his colleagues, his, um, his co-workers, his peers? I think there's a, a strong group who will almost certainly vote in in favour of the recommendation of the panel. Part of that is because of his actions. Part of that is the duplicity involved with tweeting whilst pretending not to be an elected member. And part of that also is this question as to what's the point of having an independent body to regulate and screen your actions if you diverge from their judgments whenever they don't suit you. I don't see there being a future for the Code of Conduct panel if the recommendation is not followed. But it's it's hard to imagine a, a, a future for a panel that having made its first really serious recommendation is, is voted against. Has it made recommendations in the past? Nothing of this nature. I certainly can't think of anything where um, uh, you know a punishment this severe has been has been has been pushed by the panel. And you know we have seen, in, in fairness, we have seen some we have seen some questionable activity. And um, obviously, there was a very well publicised comment from former deputy Bernard Bernard Fluke about um, um, a, a racial term which did go to the states for debate, but. Um, obviously was not given such a sanction from this panel. There was um, Deputy Mike Hadley from HSSD, um, I think back in 2013, who was um, sanctioned, but again, not to this extent, for leaking committee documents. A punishment like this um, would be unprecedented. It would set a new benchmark for you know what we expect from states' behaviour, but also it, it's a, a different kind of breach. So... There is a question as to should we be, 
how does this fit into the the history of code of conduct complaints is this a new chapter is this dealing with a new issue and um, the only real benchmark for it will be this this will be the benchmark if approved if, if it stands up in the states then this will be a standard that you can't really diverge from and not at least not in the immediate future because once you've said this I don't think there's any turning back you can't ignore it then I suppose no and if, if, if there is the case we know that there will be automatically a by-election will be triggered in which case I'd suggest maybe holding off on organizing that straight away because if you're going you don't want to organize free by-elections in six months I was going to ask is that that's the potential next is it a by-election yeah, so how does that work? And is it an island-wide by-election now? What goes on? Yeah, so it's it's mandated by by law, the the law that kind of presaged the introduction of um, island-wide elections. Um, so there's no um, there's no way of diverging from that. So a lot of, you know a lot of people on on social media saying, well, Fergus Dunlop finished 39th. Should we just offer him the job? And then if he doesn't accept it, should we offer it to Pierre Eamon, who finished 40th? You know, until we get someone accepting the position, um, that is not um, a way that, that that they can go under the law. Um, and whilst they could change the law to allow for um, a variation, um, that would not affect the current states. That could only come in, into force post twenty twenty five. So yes, if any member is sacked for any reason or if any member has to leave the states for another reason, we saw the, the tragic death of Deputy Anne Cottawasha last year, um, then there would be an automatic by-election. And it would be island-wide, there would be election expenses, there would be um, all of the exposure, the combined manifestos, etc., that there was for the full island-wide election. So a massive undertaking with an interesting difference in that people will get to campaign on the basis of how the current government is performing. That is very interesting. They get given a bunch more, um, a whole raft more information to, to work with this time, to campaign for themselves. Yeah, and if you're a candidate and you don't like what's happening or you want to support what's happening, you can make that abundantly clear. And given that there are parties in place, um, there's going to be an interesting crossover, I think, between the current political members and those who are looking to stand under a particular banner. I can't wait. I know, next, um, I guess I just wanted to finish off by saying you mentioned before, and I think I I agree, we're in a different social environment at the moment. It seems to be a higher threshold for how people should act, and and people seem to be scrutinising people in power a a hell of a lot more. Will this happen again? And... um, was it ever a surprise that this happened in the first place? No, I don't think this is a one-off um, by any means. And I think it's perhaps, you know, in darkness these things grow. And the longer that people are able to carry out um, you know, so social media activity to kind of covertly respond to things that are happening to states to incite debate from a biased viewpoint without declaring who you are, when you've been able to do that for, for so long without any accountability or, or without anyone really shining a light on it, it would not surprise me if it was, if not endemic, then at least significantly more widespread than one first-time deputy. I think he is 
perhaps not the norm, but I don't think he is the exception in trying to push debate in a certain direction or to influence social media comment without putting his name to his comments. It's a fair final point to make. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matthew. listening to the bailiwick express podcast the title track was shift my weight by luno if you enjoyed it i know it's a pain but please like and share it all helps and remember you can hit bailiwickexpress.com to stay right up to date with whatever is happening in the bailiwick you can find us online on social on email and on internet radio there'll be more from me matthew leach and all the bailiwick express team next friday